This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, episode 140, Healing Your Back with Yoga. Have you ever suffered from back pain? Or are you in the lucky 20% of adults that don't? Yeah, you heard that right. Back pain is one of the most common medical conditions with 80% of adults experiencing it during their lifetime. And I know I'm personally one of them. You might have want to turn to yoga to heal your back, knowing that there's great potential there. But you might also have worried that you could make it worse. So today I sat down with Lila Schwartz. Lila is recognized in the field as a yoga teacher trainer, yoga therapist, and the author of the 2016 book, Healing Our Backs with Yoga. Lila has offered the science and spirit of yoga to thousands of students who have become pain-free from her alignment-based, heartfelt instruction in yoga teachings. As a health and wellness practitioner, Lila has for 40 years pursued the many physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual benefits of yoga. Long regarded as an expert in back care through yoga, Lila recently has been delving into the myriad and interconnected aspects of breathwork as an integral aspect of yoga and life in general. So we'll dive into those two subjects together. For more info about Lila's background, training, and skill set, check out the show notes. You'll find all the info about her and her workshops and online classes. I would really love to read your takeaways on today's episode, especially if, as you listen, you struggle from back pain or you have some students that do. Take a screenshot of the episode, share one of your takeaways on Instagram, tagging at on and off your mat podcast. I will, of course, reshare you, but the idea is that everybody can come together, read your takeaways, and we can go deeper into the content of each episode we can learn from each other as a community. All right, let's get to today's episode with Lila. Hi, Lila. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yes, Erica, it's a pleasure to be here. So for listeners that don't know you yet or not very well, can we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself and your yoga journey? My yoga journey started many, many years ago, 40 years ago. And it started because I was seeking more meaning in my life. Mm. And I think that's why a lot of people are still drawn to yoga because they're looking for some way to connect to themselves more in a more meaningful way. It was shortly into the practice of yoga, maybe I was in about five years, and it became apparent that I had some hip and low back problems, and I had a lot of low back pain that troubled me quite a lot in the beginning, and of course, I had some good teachers that gave me some guidance along the way that helped me have some of those aha experiences, oh, that's why that's like that, oh, this is what I can do to relieve it, so discovering some of that And then it was my pain that was my teacher, because it was my pain that continued to guide me and inform me. And gradually over time, I had a background, I had a a university background in anatomy and physiology, plus I had studied massage therapy, so I had anatomy and physiology again, and I tend to really retain that information. So when I teach, I teach very much from an anatomically informed place. working with people, but it's uh, been a wonderful journey. You know, I did write a book, Healing Our Backs with Yoga in 2016, which is a practice book of reliable sequences that people can do as they're going through their self-exploration in their own back healing journey. So coming from that place of knowing anatomy and physiology, what do we need to know about spinal anatomy and fascia to understand our back pain if we do have back pain? So the primary overview would be posture. Mm -hmm. So is the diaphragm, the lampshade of the diaphragm positioned over the bowl of the pelvis? 
And is are the head and shoulders up on top of the spine? Are we forward head carriage? Are we slumped? You know, that sort of thing. So that posture piece, which then would lead into a great deal of exploration into the neuromuscular balances within a system, any system. Mm-hmm. And then we want to remember that whatever we do most consistently, the body takes on that shape. So if we're most consistently sitting in a chair, the body takes on the shape of the chair. Yeah. So we need to just remember that. Yeah. Those are good things to keep in mind when we start our exploration around our back pain, for sure. Observing our patterns, right? Observing what we do a lot already. Observing our posture. Those are things we can do many, many times a day. Like, oh, how am I sitting right now? How am I standing right now? Am I standing on one leg with my kind of my hips tilted and crooked? Or am I sitting and slouching and just starting with self-awareness? Right, right. And then anything about fascia particularly or how that functions or how that may influence that you talked a little bit about, you know, muscular imbalance, and we can come back to that in a moment. But is there something particular about fascia that people should know when it comes to back health? So how I'm going to address that is the human system, and I'm talking about the physical, physiological and spiritual system Mm -hmm. is a unified field. Mm -hmm. It is a unified field. And we're recognizing that now, you know, I've been doing this for 45 years. And we're recognizing that now because science is helping to turn our attention to the fact that, you know, they're proving the unification principles, right? And so we can kind of go with that thinking. So what that thinking means when it comes to fascia, fascia is the connective tissue that keeps everything together. And fascia is either going to be solid or fluid. So it's either going to be really soft and gel-like and malleable which is called a flexible body, or it's going to be more crystallized and more solid. More and those are, those are our stuck places. Now, some people are going to naturally have a more contracted fascist system, and others are going to more naturally have a more fluid fascist system. But the big piece about yoga is that yoga addresses the fascia. Mm-hmm. When we practice yoga, we are not just stretching muscles. We are stretching all the connective tissues and all the ways the muscles connect and the fascia connects in these fascial trains. So, you know, that's Thomas Meyer's work on, you know, the anatomy trains, right? So if we're paying attention in our practice, we're going to notice this is connected to that. When I move this part of my body, this part wants to move with it. And we start noticing those connections. So that's part of the self-study and the self-exploration that we do in a yoga practice. I think the downside of yoga loosens the fascia. Yoga also moves us deeper into the intrinsic muscles. Mm -hmm. So the big muscles are the ones on the outside. The intrinsic muscles are the ones on the inside. So when people talk about their piriformis, their pelvic floor, their rotator cuff, they're talking about the the ones on the inside. And yoga directly affects those. So when we do a lot of flowing movements and we do a lot of deep stretches, we're loosening not only the extrinsic muscles, but we're also loosening the intrinsics. The difficulty comes when that is that sometimes those extrinsic muscles are actually maintaining the stability of the joint. 
Mm-hmm. And it's maintaining the stability of the joint because there's an imbalance, a muscular imbalance, and they're helping to brace and maintain the joint. And this happens a lot, especially in women. And I imagine a lot of your listeners are women. And that happens with the SI joints. Muscles will lock up and freeze to stabilize the instability around the SI joints. And then what happens is it goes into the low back. And that was my experience as well. I had an accident where I fell off a horse, busted my tailbone, changed the positioning of my pelvis, my sacrum. And there were years about somewhere around year number seven of my practice, I could barely walk. I stand up and just hobble across the floor. Mm -hmm. And I was always hurting my lower back. If I lifted something too heavy, it was always landing in a way that wasn't balanced. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting puzzle to figure out because, like I said, first of all, the, we have to, in our yoga practice, come to a place of stability in the pelvis. And a lot of people lose that stability through these big, long, open stretches. Now, if they're naturally more balanced, they've never had an injury, they don't start with any asymmetries, then they can probably slide through pretty gracefully and come out, you know, looking like a rose on the other side of, you know, taking a split. It's pretty rare. But, you know, I mean, yeah, people still try, right? And people still go there. But the stability piece gets lost. Mm -hmm. And when the stability piece gets lost, a couple things are lost. Functional breathing is lost. And so is the balance and harmony of the pelvis. The pelvis Mm -hmm. is supposed to be stable structure of the spine. It is the weight-bearing structure between the spine and the legs. And if it's not stable, something's going to hurt. Probably multiple things are going to hurt. Hip, hip replacements, knee, meniscus injuries, shoulders, necks, you go headstand, shoulder stand, then you end up with a neck problem. So Mm -hmm. the pelvis, I think, is the most important. It's interesting because I think we sometimes look at pain just from the area in pain. You're like, oh, this part of my spine hurts. And this is where we focus our attention. Where, as you talked about that field of unification, everything is connected in our body, at least through fascia, if that's one thing only, but it's not. But I think it's interesting to start to think about the pelvis, the legs, the shoulders, and the neck, and different related dysfunction that might point or create some discomfort in the spine, but that might not be the origin point of the pain. So how do we approach the pain through this lens of like the whole body? Well, you know, I think it's natural when we have pain somewhere that we really seek relief first for the pain. So then it's an experiment. And then the question becomes, if I do this pose and I stop at the end of the pose and I breathe and I feel, Did it actually relieve the pain or did it create more weakness? When I get off my mat and I walk away, is the pain gone and I feel strong and stable and better because it was just like, oh, it's just a little stuckness and stiffness and that's gone. And now I'm moving and I can go for a walk. I can walk, I can stand, I can bend, I can lift. But then there are times when I've seen people do this, that the muscle goes in spasm as a protective mode. Mm -hmm. It's a protective mode. So if I'm sitting at the desk all day and I'm slumped and my lumbar is pushing posterior, 
So I've eliminated the lumbar curve, which I'm supposed mm-hmm. to have. I'm supposed to be sitting on my sits bones so that when I reach behind me, I can feel that the lumbar vertebrae are in the inside of my body, not poking out into my skin. All right. But if I've sat all day at a bad chair or a bad desk and I've just slumped in my lower back, and at the end of the day, my back hurts. Why is it hurting? Why are the muscles gripping and making my back hurt? And what I want to say to people, it's often because, especially if you're tending to be a flexible person or not, you could be a stiffer person and the same thing would apply. So erase that. More often than not, the muscles are aching because they're tired of working to try to create stability. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we would do coming out of the chair, if our back were aching, would be lie flat on the floor and give the muscles a break. So they don't just, have to hold you up anymore. They don't have to hold you up. Just lie down mm-hmm. and take a break. And then my next two favorite poses in that scenario would mm-hmm. be a traction twist to release the psoas muscle and a pelvic lift to put the arch back in the lower back. Mm-hmm. You have to think sometimes reverse thinking. In other words, you can't just think the upfront thought like, oh, my back hurts. I'm going to stretch it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my piriformis is tight. I'm going to keep stretching it. But you can stretch it to a point that you create so much instability and weakness that the pain becomes constant and mm-hmm. doesn't leave. So the body speaks to us in sensation, not in Correct. words. <laughs> And it's up to us to figure out how to interpret that sensation. And with a little bit of luck, you know, people have a good teacher like yourself or myself. They find somebody who can give them some insight into how they're moving so they can begin to understand their bodies a little bit better. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say right now. So when we notice either by ourselves or with support that our stretching and the way we practice yoga may actually make our back pain worse because we're creating more instability. How do we start to bring more balance in our muscular skeletal system? Or how do we remember like alignment principles or just maybe you have tips on how to stretch and how to switch what we're doing if we're stretching and creating more instability. Is it about backing out? Is it about strength training? Is it about creating the opposite shape? Where do we go from there? We're like, okay, yeah, I feel weaker after I stretch. So what now? So all of the above, you mentioned three different things, and all of the above are true, and all of the above have a place in the back hair puzzle. I would say from direct experience, the most common thing I see happen with students doing yoga is that everybody likes to stretch their piriformis muscle, right? Everybody likes to stretch their piriformis muscle. And often if somebody says, oh, my hips hurt and they keep hurting and I'm doing the stretches and it relieves it for only a short time and then the pain comes back again, what I do is ask them to stop doing the piriformis stretch for at least a month. So if, you know, back away from that for a month and then do, like you said, the counter shapes. So what would be the opposite of stretching your piriformis muscle? It would be a pelvic lift. It would be shalabhasana. It would be locust pose. You know, it'd be virabhadrasana one, everything that's the opposite to what stretching your piriformis would be. That can be so so counterintuitive for people. So that's why I kind of wanted us to talk about this because 
we're so accustomed to do one type of movement in one plane because we have pain in certain area and to do the opposite seems like it makes no sense. But then when you try it in your body, you notice that actually that might help you. Okay. So here's the principle that can be applied. That's really the most helpful. And that is called reciprocal inhibition. Mm-hmm. And reciprocal inhibition is when one muscle contracts, the opposite muscle automatically, neurologically begins to relax and let go. Mm-hmm. So if, why is the side of my body and my psoas and my quads, why are they so short that they're blowing out the muscles on the back of my body? I've got to stretch the front. That's one half of the equation. It's always a double equation. In yoga, the door swings both ways. It's like a saloon door. It's a door on a hinge and it swings in both directions. So if my lower back is really hurting and I first I lay down to get some relief and ease the muscles a little bit, then I need to stretch the front side. So the psoas, the quads, I need to stretch the front and tone the back because it's always a two-way street. You can't do one without the other. And that feeds in exactly to reciprocal inhibition. And I can't tell you how many people I've gotten out of pain in a really short period of time by just using that principle. Mm-hmm. Now, don't touch it anymore. Stretch the opposite muscle and tone that muscle instead. So you do the opposites. Yeah. 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 That's been helpful for me as well. I've had SI issues, low back pain, and stretching the back of the body was just making it worse. And it's when I started to strengthen the back of the body and stretch the front of the body that it finally got better. But sometimes we need a little bit of time to experience it by ourselves, figure it out. Or, you know, we get some people that have learned it and we don't need years to figure it out. We can do it faster because we get good information and good guidance. Right, exactly. And that's just a dovetailing of a little bit of scientific understanding of anatomy and physiology. And, you know, the fascia kind of dovetails with the yoga practice, which is something you know, we're doing now in this moment in time with how yoga has changed and evolved as it's come out of India. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go back to sort of the traditional Indian movements, I have worked with people who have over the years doing the movements for all the right reasons, according to traditional yoga, like twisting postures, sitting like a pretzel and really twisting up to keep the Agni fire going in the belly and to keep that purification. And 15, 20 years later, they've completely worn their discs out and their bone against bone in a couple spots in their spine and the pain is constant. So, you know, it's a good evolution where we can start, you know, integrating in a new way, some understandings and into the practice of yoga. There's deep wisdom in yoga and there's new understandings that are evolving all the time. Of course, of course, like any practice as we change, the practice changes as well as our life changes and the demands on our body changes, our practice has to follow and adjust and adapt as well. Right. Yeah. So I was thinking we talked about this maybe counterintuitive idea to stretch the opposite side of the body or where you have the pain. Another thing that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the SI joint, the sacrum, stability is the pelvic floor. And so I think this is also something people tend to overlook when they think about back pain or they're, you know, healing their back through yoga. So I wondered 
if you have any little tips on how to create stability and how to keep our pelvic floor in mind when we look and try to practice for back pain. Right. Okay. So let's do a little exercise right now. Right. So yeah. invite everybody who's listening to mm-hmm. sit evenly on their sit with their feet on the floor and their spine straight and just breathe normally. Take a breath in and a breath out and observe what a natural breath is, how your, breath, your belly expands a little bit on your inhale and it deflates and folds in a little bit on the exhale. And then I want you to think about your diaphragm as being a full circle, like the top of a jellyfish. Mm -hmm. So a jellyfish has like a mushroom cap. And when they breathe in, the sides of their mushroom cap spread, but they spread all the way around. It's one organism, so it spreads all the way around. So inhale, think of spreading your diaphragm out, front, back, sides, and then exhale and think of hugging it in all the way around. And see if you begin to access more of the muscles of the lower abdomen. So something you can do is put one hand on your lower belly, or both, one or both on your belly, and inhale, and then exhale, sort of squeeze everything in, and feel the lower belly pull away from your hands. Now, this is something that most people don't do with their breathing, and they don't do it in their yoga practice. And therefore, they miss one of the key elements in a yoga practice, and that is Mula Bandha. Mm-hmm. Didn't teach it so much, but it was taught a lot in, you know, Ashtanga yoga. Mula Bandha, Mula Bandha, Mula Bandha, belly in, belly in, belly in, belly in. But here's how you access it. Most people can't access it. Mm-hmm. Most women and men that I teach have trouble accessing the lowest part of their abdomen. We call it the bottom of the belly. Same thing. They don't student. access the Right. They don't access. So this is the trick. So you put your hands on your lower belly, another experiment. Put your hands on the lower belly, breathe in, breathe out. So feel that. And now breathe in. And the next time you breathe out, make this sound. It's going to be loud. P-S-S-T and emphasize the T. So it sounds like this. Breathe in. And feel how when you do that, the whole transverse abdominus across the bottom of the belly just hugs right in, right? It mm-hmm. just oof, gives that hug. And that's the grounding element. That's the stable element for the pelvis that connects it to the spine. Yeah, so that's important. It's the essence of core tone, and it starts with breathing tone. So it starts with functional breath, which most people don't do in yoga. It's not taught. But this is what's being taught now, functional breath. And that, when you get that squeeze to the bottom and get that mulbanda, you're anchoring your spine and your pelvis. So we can wax metaphysical on yoga for a moment and say that when you anchor your spine and your pelvis, what you're doing is connecting the central channel from spirit to earth. You're anchoring that channel inside of you which makes it your center, your stable point, the middle of your sphere, and where you're going to move from. You're going to move from that center. So really focusing on our breath is really the place to start and connecting and getting to have a relationship with our pelvic floor and know that it is there, one, and practice learning to feel it move or have it move with our breath 
and over time creating that stability. And I like that sound of sound, maybe using that in our practice a little bit when we're at home and like using that on earth, just to find a little bit more of like that connection because the voice and the contraction that it allows you to do might help you really feel the difference when you begin. Well, and you also begin to tone, you tone your diaphragm, you tone your verse abdominis. And this is a trick people don't think about. When your transverse abdominis has enough tone, because it's considered the girdle muscle, mm-hmm. and it has enough tone, it supports the sacrum in the lumbar in such a manner that the psoas does not have to over-contract. Mm. So this, because the psoas is actually an, it's a spinal muscle that's just to the inside of the body, but it's a spinal muscle and it's behind all the organs. Mm-hmm. So then you get the support from the front. And so as can kind of let go of some of its workload a little bit, you know, like that. Yeah. I'll tell you an interesting story. You want to hear a fun story? Please. All right. So here's a fun story. So I had a lady come to me for back pain and she had a very challenging life. And she was actually a rush. She and her husband were in a church situation here that they were not worshiping because they weren't allowed to do that in Russia. And somehow they managed to get their visas and get out of Russia. So she had a heavy Russian accent. And she was really strong, right? I was like a butterfly compared to her. She was like, so strong. And so I taught her how to do, and we had some um, sound barriers, right? Because language translation, some of it was lost in translation. So I taught her how to do this sound and activate her lower belly. And she chose to do it in every single yoga pose I gave her to practice in her routines. And she worked with me for about, I don't know, six to eight private sessions. But by the end of it, she had no pain. She had rebalanced her back. Her shoulder pain went away. Her low back pain went away. Her knee pain went away from strengthening her core. Yeah. And so that improved our breathing mechanics as well, which improves everything. Like it ripples one into the next thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I would say to people about the pelvis is something I work with in you know, a lot of the courses that I've done with Yoga U and when I do one-on-one trainings, whether it's on Zoom or in person, is something what I call the pelvic clock. And so the clock face is like the navel is 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. The inner groin is six o'clock, right next to the pubic bone is six o'clock. And the two hip bones are three o'clock and nine o'clock. So you draw a vertical line down and a horizontal line across. And if you look in your skeleton, that's going to hit you right in the middle of your sacrum. And it's at the fulcrum of the sacrum because we know that the sacrum has a curve. Mm-hmm. It's one of the spinal curves. It has an Audi. The lumbar is an innie. Thorax is an Audi. Cervical is an innie, right? So you've got that and you land right on the fulcrum of the sacrum. And so using that awareness in your poses, especially if you have back pain or sacral pain, pain often becomes because something about the pelvis is out of balance, right? Something about the way the thigh bones are sitting in the hip sockets is not quite balanced. There's some small muscles there, those intrinsics are are too long, you know, and we don't want to just call it strong and weak. We could call it long and short. And that's probably a better way to frame it because Weak is bad and strong is good. Mm. But when it comes to unraveling your back pain, that's not true. 
Mm-hmm. Some muscles are longer, some are shorter. The shorter ones are encouraged to become longer, and the longer ones are encouraged to become shorter by the poses we choose and the way we choose to practice those poses. And a muscle could be short and weak and long and strong. Like there's, you know, it's not the equivalent necessarily that if it's short, it is strong. And that's why I think people kind of put together in one box where, especially for the back, it could very well be locked on long and like on a longer position and feel very weak because of your postural pattern. Right. And that's really the mystery of the whole thing, because the Mm -hmm. body always going to do whatever it takes to create stability. And so it's dismantling process. You have to dismantle some of the chronic stuff in order to get to the real correction. You have to dismantle some of the chronic stuff. So, you know, some will come in and they go, always have pain in my left SI joint. But they've got to get through dismantling that before they recognize that it's the right side that's creating the problem, not the left side. You know, so it is a puzzle. It is a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And it takes a, a certain amount of commitment to one's own growth in understanding and in wellness to Mm -hmm. stick with the process. You know, people come to me now and they want to do something for their back or for their hips. And I'll say to them, fine, you know, I'm past retirement age and I'm not retiring because this is my art form and I love it. And I love contributing to your community right now and to whoever I get to touch, right? But I'll say to them, this is not a quick fix. Mm-hmm. Give me at least at least three months. Give me three months and do your homework. I'll give you yeah. homework. Do your homework. I mean, three months is a very short amount of time to undo 15 years or 20 years or 50 years of a pattern of movement that you've been doing. And like, you know, we expect quick fixes, but the body takes a little bit of time to readjust and like to recreate a new normal. It does. It does. And I think that, When I say three months, I'm thinking of having like one-on-one sessions, frequent one-on-one sessions. Yeah, committed, dedicated. Right, right. In a class situation, in a group situation, more like six months, six to nine. a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it does happen. It does happen. Of course, of course. Someone can come in with, you know, three herniations and nine months later have none, but they need talking to because every activity has its influence. Every activity has its influence. So, you know, the back classes very often, a lot of men would come to my back classes because they suffered a lot with back pain for different reasons than the women suffered, right? For different reasons. But you have to get through that this activity is strengthening these muscles too much, which is making your back vulnerable. So you have to stop that particular weightlifting activity and add this one in instead. So there has to be balance. In all the activities, if they're doing weight training along with their yoga, they have to have somebody who's helping them to balance both, right? Mm -hmm. Because it all has an effect. Yeah, of course. I feel like we can talk about this for a long time, but we'll start to wrap it up. I think there's already a lot of valuable tools for people here and lines of questions and things to start to explore and to think about if they suffer from back pain. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish around back pain? If there's like one takeaway you'd like listeners to leave this conversation with today, what would that be? That would be to follow your breath, make that sound, develop your abdominal core and walk as much as you sit. Mm, that's a good one. Walk as much Ooh, as you sit. That's going to be hard for some people. <laughs> I know, but you know, 
even a mile twice a day, once in the morning, once in the evening is just about right Mm -hmm. to keep everything well greased and stable in the pelvis. It's important. Yeah. 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 So we talked a little bit about the importance of breath when it comes to back stability, back pain. I know you just launched or you're doing a course right now on breath. Would you tell us a little bit about that and anything else that you have brewing in the background and that's going on in your world right now? Sure, sure, sure. So, you know, after all my many years of doing specializing in back care, it's come to the the surface that the use of breath is so important and the use of breath for vagal tone, for regulating heart rate, for lowering stress, for lowering blood pressure. There's so many different aspects of functional breathing. And the course I'm doing, I'm doing the physical, physiological, and spiritual aspects of breath. So we're doing functional breathing, central channel breathing, etc., and how to apply the different kinds of breaths. And this is a new course that I'm doing. And you know, it will be available through my website later on. But really for people, what I'd like them to know is I have a five-pose psoas release series, Mm. which I developed about five years ago. It's not in my book. I developed it about five years ago. And it is what moved me that last 10% into really functional, stable pelvic work because of balancing the psoas. So that along with breath, and they can get it for free through my website. Beautiful. They can go to my free resource library and sign up and get those five videos for free. And I think it has a tremendous amount of value. Uh, I'm sure it does. We'll put the link for people to find it really easily. Yeah. Yeah. To get people so they can do that. And then just kind of check out the courses. I've got five courses with Yoga U for the beginner with yoga, with back pain, who's in a lot of pain, you know, the asymmetric pelvis, fluid spine, that sort of thing, osteoporosis, or the whole, I got a bunch of stuff. Beautiful. We'll put all the links in the show notes. But in the meantime, people listening right now, where's the best place for them to find you? Is it the website or do you have other platform that you are on right now? The best way if they wanted to contact me directly would be go to my website, yoga with com, And you can send me a contact link from there. Perfect. I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook. So if they want to get in touch with me, that's the place to go. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time today. That was very interesting. And I think it was very helpful for listeners. Well, wonderful. It's been a real pleasure. It's a pleasure meeting you and keep up all your good work. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general, anywhere you listen. It really helps people find this podcast. If you're looking for the show notes for this episode, you'll find them at ericabelanger.com slash 140. And before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast for their support in making this possible. And this includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening in. Until next Monday.